thank you, Lord. Um, thank you for the time we've already had to soak in your spirit. Lord, I know that the prayers that were prayed, that your word that was read, that the songs that were sung were a sweet aroma in the nostrils of a holy God because we stand before you the only way we can because your son has made us righteous. When he was here, he said, there is no greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. And we do remember those who have laid down their lives, those in the military, first responders, all those people who have sacrificed literally everything they had here on earth for our freedom, for our protection. But Lord, that is just a taste of what you sacrificed when you gave your life to the ones you call friends. Lord, may we not just find sweet fellowship, but know we are in real friendship with the Lord of the universe. As we continue to worship you in the word, Lord, speak to our very hearts conform our very souls into the image of Jesus Christ for it is that reason we gather in his beautiful name we pray and all God's people said amen please remain standing for the reading of the word first Peter 4 12 through 19 Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however... It must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer being for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you. Before You may be seated. Before um, we get started, I, I, we have a lot the Spirit has already planned for us in the Word today, but I, um, he had something else planned. So go back to that song before, the second song you did. The second verse, is it called? I think it's a verse. They make fun of me because I, I, I don't know, and they're like, sooner or later you're going to learn. So this verse... Um, yeah, so um, we're going to sing that and the chorus one more time because it directly relates, just like all the music and prayer did today, as only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate, but it direct relates to the opening of the message. This one, that sounds cute. Um, no, the other one. Okay, the so one you had up there, Meadow, that one, yes. Okay. No, not that one. You had it up, you had it up there at the beginning. About his return. Verse 4, like I said, verse 4. <laughs> we are a well-oiled machine here at Cornerstone Church. So we hadn't planned this. I didn't know these lyrics, but go ahead. He shall return. 
robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night then i will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on jesus Did you see that? You put up the, the verse, verse 4 again. You see how it ends? And I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Okay, so whatever is going, there are people in this room right now that are really hurting. One of our sisters is in a hospital bed right now, and her husband is beside her, and they are really hurting. And honestly, the only hope we have in this world is that truth. And that overcomes everything else, if we will let it. Right, so open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to let Peter make that point that that song just made as our introduction today. I had not planned the music part of our introduction, but the Holy Spirit did, which makes it all the better. Um, but I want to I start in verse 7 of chapter 4. It's not my passage today. It's what RJ taught on last Sunday. And by the way, um, thanks for letting us have some time away. Um, at the same time, thanks for being people we miss. Like genuinely, like it, it's, I mean, I'm sitting up here just weeping going, I just love being with you people. Like really, as frustrating as you are, I love, I love <laughs> being with you people. I don't know why I always have to add stuff like that. I think, you know, because I have a reputation for being not very nice, so I have to keep it up. But look at verse 7 of chapter 4. This is the, mo this is our motivation for what we're going to, for what we're going to have to deal with today in our passage. The end of all things is at hand, Peter says. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. But guys, Peter wrote this 30 years after Christ dies, 2,000 years ago. And I look and I go, for the end of all things is at hand. And my heart and all the hurt and the pain that's going on in the world. And I think to myself, but for how long, Lord? Like, seriously, come on. Maranatha, come back, make that reality, like we see you face to face, make it happen. Peter finishes the thought in his second letter, so turn to the right, just a couple of pages, to 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 8, he says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord to the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. I'm going to avoid commentary on this as much as possible just because of time. But he says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish, but that all should reach repentance. Because that's God's heart for, the, for people in this world. The question is, is it yours and mine? Do we want to see all people 
regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of their stance on LBGTQ things, do we want to see them all come to genuine repentance in Christ, not so their morality will get better, but so that they'll be in eternity with God? Right? Like, that's got to be our motivation. But the day, the, Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And if you're still on our D-groups D readings, which this week is our last week in our D-group going through the Old Testament, you're going to be reading about the day of the Lord in the minor prophets, in Joel and Micah. And so, so pick it up this week, because he's going to tell you what the day of the Lord looks like this week. He says, but in the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in them will be exposed. Since these things are thus to be dissolved. It's Peter saying, since everything in this world is going away anyway, what sort of people might we be to live, holy in, live in holiness and godliness? We are waiting for, an ever, for a hastening of the coming day of God, because of the, hev the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and heavenly body bodies will, be melt, will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, he, we are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. P Peter is telling us, and we're going to need to hang on to this as we look at what he, how he finishes his first letter. He's telling us that we need to filter everything in our lives today through this eternal beauty that is to come. right? And it shouldn't surprise us what's going on today. Let's remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24. When he says that though law, because lawlessness has increased, the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. And he says, and this gospel and the kingdom, this is what we're supposed to be doing here. This gospel and the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. The end Peter was just telling us about will happen when G what Jesus is telling us here happens. So we're in this series in 1 Peter. We're talking, calling it Stand Firm. And we're now in our ninth week, I think, in it. Maybe it's, maybe it's week eight. And we've looked at how we stand firm in our salvation. And we stand firm in truth. And we stand firm in the, in the cross of Christ. And we stand firm in our marriages. Jeff taught on that a few weeks ago. And we stand firm in our witness. And we stand firm in a changed life, as RJ taught us last week. And today we're going to get to look at the joyous passage of standing firm in our suffering. But here's the thing, guys. It is a joyous passage. If we hold on to what we just sang... And some of us wept over. And we believe what Peter just showed us. And we believe the words of Christ. Then our suffering today should bring us joy. Today. Because we, here's what we know. And you're going to hear me say this probably a few times today. Suffering now brings glory later. The more, of your, the more you suffer and sacrifice now, the more glorious your eternity is going to be. That is an amazing thing that, that frankly blows my mind. So today what we're going to look at though, because we've got to back up and go, yeah, but, but, but pastor, I'm living in today. Like I'm just trying to walk out this door today and not lose my ever-loving mind about what's going on in the world. Right? So how do I do that? That's really the question we're going to look at today. Because suffering seems to be on the increase. Everything from persecution to cancer seems to be on the increase. How are we to stand strong? Like, how can you possibly stand firm in a world that seems like it's falling apart? And the answer, frankly, is the gospel. 
we're going to look and see that we, we need to see our suffering like in the, in, in, the, um, in the light of the gospel. We need to share in suffering because of the gospel. Our motivation should be what we just sang and, and heard and read. This idea that, man, we, it, we are privileged to suffer for Christ. To be like him in his suffering. And we're probably never more like him than when we are suffering well. And then the last thing is we're going to draw our strength from the one who wrote the gospel. That, by the way, if you didn't know, is Jesus. So let's jump into our first point as we answer this question. So now that suffer, as suffering is on the increase in our lives, in, in the world, how are we going to stand firm? The answer, the first point is we need to see our suffering in light of the gospel. Look at chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials that come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Guys, right, that's everything I just said, he said he, Peter just said right there. Now here's what he uses the word fiery trial. The word fiery there is actually the word that we get, is like pyro. Pyroe is what it is in the Greek. He, he, it could be... That, you remember all that talk in 2 Peter 3, the passage we read was about melting and, and everything's going to burn up? Like, Peter could be looking back, like looking ahead to, hey, these fiery trials are part of, I don't know if that's me or what's going on, but um, these fiery trials are things that, that are coming. But he can also be talking about, do you remember what they were doing to Christians here? What Peter was watching his brothers and sisters go through? They were dipping them in oil, skewering them on, on poles, and lighting them as lamps in their garden parties. So when he's talking about fiery trials, he legit means fiery trials. right? So, but, 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 but it shouldn't surprise us because of the words of Christ. And because what Peter's telling us over and over is the greater the suffering, the greater the reward. Wait a minute, how do I, how do I know that? If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Somebody will give you one. But you're, we're going to be moving around a lot today in the Word. So turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians is to the left of where we are, as is most of everything in the Bible. But you're going to go past James and Hebrews and, and, the, and all the T's. And you're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. Sorry, I think I maybe said 4. So Philippians chapter 3 and starting in verse 8. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. This is like in my, in my personal Bible that I use. This I have marked down here. This is my life verse. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, a righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may, that, now get this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Guys, this idea of suffering, it was true for the, for the apostles, it was true for the prophets, it was true for the martyrs throughout history. The question is, is it true for you? Are you willing to go, I see everything that could possibly be taken from me as, as garbage compared to to the value of entering into glory, looking like Jesus Christ. Like, that's the question he's asking. Understand, this has been true throughout history. Look at Revelation chapter 7. 
I, I want to show you like what this, so you say, okay, wait a minute, but, but, but what, what's in store for us? Look at Revelation chapter 7. Revelation is at the end of your Bible. Revelation chapter 7, and I'm going to start in verse 9. This is a vision that God, that, that Jesus gives to John about what's going on in eternity. It says, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb, before the Lamb of God, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Again, I'm going to try not to make a lot of commentary on these extra passages I'm teaching through, but let's be real clear about something. If you don't like diversity, you're not going to like heaven. Because it says here that there are people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Guys, they, we don't go to heaven and all of our skin color matches and all of our languages match. and all, that, isn't, that doesn't happen. It's people from all over the planet. We have so Americanized the gospel, right? The, the gospel is not for Anglo-Americans. The gospel is for the world. And we're going to see that someday, like, in reality. Now look at what he says. Now get this. Really the reason I turned to this passage. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. So this is like a vision of, of what's going on in the heavens right now. Because of what's been happening here on the earth. It says, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's Christ. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worship. Guys, we sang that. We sang that today. They didn't know I was going to turn to this passage. That's totally the Lord that we sang those words today. That the elders are going to, I mean, it's, it's just, I just love the Holy Spirit. It's just so awesome how he's moving among us. He says, then he says this, he says, they say, here's what they said. Here's what they worship, how they worshiped. Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders addressed me. How would you like to be that? How would you like to be John then? You're, you're, you're getting, you're, whether he was like just there and is uh, spiritually or whatever, he's in the throne room of God. All of these elders of the church are up there in heaven worshiping. There's Jesus, there's, there's God. And one of them turns to him and says, who are these in the white robes and from where have they come? Like when I just ask a general question to you guys, sometimes you're like, and you're not standing in the presence of God. Like, you're like, uh, like this, I mean, can you imagine the point? So he's like, sir, you know, safe answer, right? Like, you, I, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who are coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, guys, depending on your eschatology, you can read that as the seven years of tribulation. You, I, I'm not going there. That's a, that's a secondary, tertiary issue. The main thing is the main thing. These are people who have been killed for being Christians throughout history. And then it says, therefore, they are before the throne of God. This is what awaits people who suffer well for Christ. They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Oh, my goodness. We should just soak that in. They shall hunger no more, thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them. That will be really good for the months we're going into here in Arizona. Nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them in the springs of living water, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Guys, this is a promise for all people that suffer for Christ. It was true for Paul. It was true for Peter. It was true 
for martyr for pe- guys people like William Tyndale and um and um what's his name um Wycliffe all, were were killed there in the 1500s only for one thing for translating God's word into a language people could understand and they were murdered for it and they're standing in that place now because of it it was true for men like Jim Elliot. It was, I mean, it's been true throughout history, and it's still true today. We just have become, and, it's, and guys, right now, as we speak, all over the globe, Christians are being persecuted in very real ways, murdered for being Christians. We're just spoiled. Honestly, we just have gotten fat, dumb, and happy. And I know I've hit that a lot in this series, so I'm not going to belabor it today, but we just have to see it for what it is. We need to step into, lean into, press into the persecution we're feeling. In a Christ-like way, not run from it and go, oh no, look at how the world is going to pot. But it's also, guys, God's promise to be with us and to reward us in our persecution isn't just a there and then promise. That's the big part. But it's a here and now promise. Right? David writes in Psalm 34 that God is near to the brokenhearted. Right? He comforts those who are crushed in spirit. That's a here and now promise David was making for us. So, so if we will cling to him, he will comfort us I, I want you to just I wrote this down when I was on vacation so um, here's the question so just kind of to stop for a minute and kind of take before we move on to our second point and take in what we just talked about do you struggle to trust God when he allows hardship in your life I, I'm thinking the answer is yeah I mean I do If so, what from this passage can help you trust him and avoid sinking down into fear or lashing out by fighting in anger when you face the next fiery trial? So 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 think about guys what here's the here's the the short answer to that question is we have to filter everything that's going on in our lives through what God's promises tell us. And that's hard to do sometimes. I admit it. I mean, it is for me. It is for all of us. So let's go back to 1 Peter. I think I left you in Revelation. Let's go back to 1 Peter. And the first, the first point was, how do we, like, we have to, how do we, how, so how, the question that we're looking at today is, how, like, how do we stand firm when persecution is increasing? The answer is, one, we need to see our suffering in light of the gospel. Right? Remember, I quote this a lot. Don't turn there. I'm preaching right now, but don't turn there. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. I think it is. Or maybe it's 18 and 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Write that down. For this momentary light affliction is producing in, and, and memorize it. Not right now. I'm preaching. This momentary light affliction is producing in you an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Guys, whatever is going on in your life may not feel, I'm, I guarantee you right now, Kim is not feeling momentary light affliction in her household. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I, I, I come to you again on behalf of our sister and our, with our brothers and sisters, Lord, and I pray a miracle. You are the Savior who made blind people see, who made the deaf hear, who caused the lame to walk, who called the dead out of the grave. Lord, I pray right now you would minister to that sweet sister, that you would heal her, that we would have an amazing church family in Jesus' name.
experientially gets it. That we're not praying to a God that, that didn't go through it. He was broken. He was beaten. His blood was shed. He died and rose again to defeat death. So I, I don't have the words um, other than to say, God is still good. You are still on your throne, Lord. You are still in control. And God, I want to pray your supernatural power over Tony and Kim, over how our faith family comes alongside them, that it would be an amazing witness to how we deal with things differently than the world. Lord, our hope is not here. Kim's hope is not in her leg. Someday, even if they do take her leg, Someday, she's going to have two perfect legs. Lord, may you use this to show us, and show the world, our witness, but show us something amazing about you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you were here when we went through the book of Job a few summers ago, we talked about how Job had a lot of why questions. I mean, he starts out strong, but he, had a, he got a lot of why questions as he got going. And, and one of the things that I took away from that study in Job was God never answered Job's why questions. God shows up big time in Job's life. And in the end, Job is restored and everything. It's, it, it sort of has a happy ending. But the bottom line is God didn't answer Job's why. God just showed Job himself. And the why questions didn't matter anymore. And I, and I would ask you, as we continue to pray for Kim and for Tony, that, that we pray specifically that, that we wouldn't get bogged down and that they wouldn't get bogged down in the whys. Because there aren't good answers for that. Right? On our side. But there are great answers from his side. And that we would just continue to pray that God would reveal himself to them and to us through this situation. So, and, and it's not coincidental, guys, that we're talking about this passage on this day. Right? Like, like this is, this is the, one of the things the Lord is revealing to us is, okay, guys, it's easy to hear the preacher preach this, but when it literally walks in your door and interrupts the preaching, are you ready to go, it's okay? God's in control. This is an opportunity to practice what we are hearing preached, as hard as that is for us, and as hard as that is for me right now, too. So, the reality of verse 15, let's just back up there for a minute, because I, I, I want to make sure that we, because, because what, I, what I will tend to do with verse 15 about if you suffer as a murderer, as the, like, I'll, I will tend to go, okay, at least I'm not those people. Right? Like, like you almost assume that Peter's talking about people outside of the church. Right? Like, like, like if you suffer for being one of those people, that, but, if you, but, but as long as you're a Christian, suffering is okay. Who is Peter writing to? The church. Who's Peter talking about? The church. What is Peter's point in verse 15? Here's Peter's point in verse 15. Your suffering, your persecution gives you no right. Now get this, guys gives you no right to stand up for your rights. 
your suffering, your persecution, gives you no right to stand up for your rights the way the world would do it. That's the difference. Now you say, wait a minute, Doug, how, 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 do you, how do you justify that? We're not called to be doormats as Christians, and we're not. But let's look at what Christ said. Go to Matthew chapter 5, guys. Matthew's at the beginning of your, of your New Testament. Matthew chapter 5. And because I know we're over time, I'm not going to read as much of it as I was going to, but I, I want to point out Christ's point. In, this is, this is the, the largest sermon, the largest chunk of, of Christ's words in all of Scripture. This was his first public message, and here's how he chose to share it. Starting, he says, he opened his mouth and taught them. And then he goes through, blessed are the poor. And I'm not going to read it all like I, was, like I had planned to, but blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry who, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 10, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and, say, and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. Guys, do you understand what Jesus is doing right out of the gate in his public ministry? He is completely upping the ante in what it means to be a follower of God. And he's saying, because, because, because how many of these things say anything about blessed are you when, when you stand up for yourself? Blessed are you when you, when you fight for what's right? Blessed are you, like, like look at what he's, all of these things, poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, Thirst for righteousness, mercy, pure of heart, peacemaker. Guys, I've taught through the Beatitudes before, but, but Jesus is turning our world upside down. Why? Because we're not to be people of this world. We're to be kingdom people living by kingdom power for kingdom glory. And what he's trying to tell his people literally right out of, his, out of the shoot in his public ministry is, guys, don't behave like the world behaves. The world is going to be hard. You are going to have tribulation in this world. You are going to be falsely persecuted. There are going to be unjust things in this world. It does not mean that we don't ever stand for them, but we stand for them in a way that is distinctly different from the world. It is distinctly Christ-like. Look at how he keeps going. Look at verse 3. Look at, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to, in the interest of time, I'm just going to skip. Look at um, verse 21. You have heard that it is said, you shall not murder. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother. Do you see how he's upping the ante? He's, when he says, you have heard it said, he's saying God's word says this. That, the, the word they had at that time, the Old Testament. He's, saying, that, he's not just saying you've heard it said like out in the mall, gossip. He's saying you've heard God say this. I'm telling you the bar's way higher. Now, now this is where we don't like, but we don't like that. Look at verse 27. You have heard it said, you shouldn't commit adultery, verse 28. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. He's up in the ante. Verse 31, you've heard it said, verse 32. But I say, verse 33, again, you've heard it said, verse 34. But I say, he is telling us, guys, we are, if we behave, here's the thing. When suffering happens, whether it's something as, as temporally, like here and now, tragic, is what's going on in Kim's life right now? Or something as minor as somebody cutting you off on the freeway. 
if you behave the same way the world does, it begs the question, what kingdom are you really in? That's what the, that's the, and he, and he keeps going. Verse 38, if you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, don't resist the evil one. Wait, what? Guys, think about that. Think about the last year on social media, on, in what, how, how much not resisting the evil one have we seen any side on any issue doing? Everything is attack the other side, right? It, it, it just is. It, it, and it's so not Christ-like. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with him because he keeps going. Verse 43, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, I have this part whited out, so I don't know what it says. What does it say? No. <laughs> But, at least some of you are paying attention. <laughs> but I say to you, love your enemies and what? Pray for those who persecute you? Jesus, are you kidding me? And the answer is not even a little bit is he kidding. Right? And, and I get how hard that is. But here's my question. Why is it so easy for us to so quickly discount it wasn't one verse, guys. I didn't just pull a verse out where Jesus said, you know what, you're supposed to love people. It is verse after verse after verse all throughout the New Testament. Why, why are we so good at discounting that? Especially when we feel persecuted. Especially when we feel wronged. Especially when we feel like we're suffering. All of a sudden we go, I now have the right to whatever and that's the point peter's making so if we go back to peter that's the point that peter is making in in chapter in verse 15 of first peter he's saying guys you do not have the as a christian you do not have the right to respond the way the world responds to your suffering as much as you want to as much as you think it's, you ought to as much as it feels unjust when you don't get to you got to remember that justice is mine, saith the Lord. Right? Abby sent me this quote um, just the other day, so it's not on the PowerPoint, but I, I posted it on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page, so you can, so you don't have to write it all down right now. But it's from Oswald Chambers, and listen to what he says. He says, "Rise to the occasion, do the thing. It does not matter how it how it hurts, as long as it gives God the chance to manifest Himself." In your mortal flesh. Now get this. May God. This, this, I, I almost slapped her when she sent it to me. May, may God not. Because I was in the middle of whining about something. I think when she sent it to me. May God not find the wine in us anymore. It's not W-I-N-E. It's W-H-I-N-E. May God not find the wine in us anymore. But may he find us full of. Spiritual pluck, he says, and athleticism. Ready to face anything he brings our way. Guys, is, is, is your life mostly like seasoned with whining or with spiritual pluck? Right? I, I, 
shamefully, I would say mine is, is far more the former, not the latter. And I desperately want to be in that ladder, and I want us to be a people that are all about spiritual pluck, no matter what, no matter what news we get coming through the door. And we can go, you know what? Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, let's pray. Yeah, let's mourn. Let's grieve. Let's lament. We've talked about that. But man, let's not ever lose hope and ever lose sight right, of what God is using this to do. So look at your table talk question. It's on the back of your bullet of your connecting points. And I'm going to finish up with our last point here in just a minute. It says, how often do you feel persecuted? How often do you feel persecuted? This could be physical, emotional, or spiritual persecution. I'm not going to have you talk about it right now, but I just want you to think about it. How often do you feel, like, it could be something trivial. I mean, like, honestly, like, take, take the example of getting cut off on the road. The reason that upsets you, whether you know it or not, is because you're an idol worshiper. And the idol you're worshiping in that moment is you. Because you are feeling persecuted. You might not say it that way, but that's what you're feeling. That's the emotion. And you feel like you don't deserve it. Well, why? What is so special about you that you deserve the spot in front of that person on the freeway? What? Honestly. And yet, the next time that happens to me, I'm going to get right up in front of the guy in front of me. You're not getting in front of me. That's no way. I've let three people in already. It's not my fault you drove the shoulder until you couldn't cut any further and you had to cut in. All of that is me going, he is he, or she, who is ever driving. Usually it's a she. She. <laughs> you're still paying attention. He, he or she, usually actually it's a he, honestly. To be, to be completely honest, usually it's a he. He or she is not doing anything to me personally. How, how do I know that? Because they don't know me personally. So why do we take it so personally? Whatever the thing is. I, it could be something as big as what's going on in our country politically. Why are we taking it so personally? Because, man, it's all about me. I am an idol worshiper, and the biggest idol I have is me. Right? And if it's not going my way, that, man, God, you better fix this. Okay, so when it seems like suffering is increasing, how are we supposed to stand firm? First, we have to see the suffering in light of the gospel. Second, we have to share in suffering because of the gospel. And the last thing is, and the most important thing is, and the thing I don't have time to talk about today, is that we need to draw our strength from the one who wrote the gospel. So if we go back, to, I don't even know where I left you anymore, but if we go back to First Peter, and we look at verse 17, and he says this, for a time of judgment is to begin at, at the household of God, or that, that, that actually could be um, some translations translate it with the household of God or in the household of God or even from the household of God. They're not really sure what, how that word should be translated. But the bot, here's the bottom line, what he says next. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? He's saying, guys, he's talking about what, what the writer of Hebrews says. I'm, I was going to have you turn there. I won't. In Hebrews 12, if you, go, if you write down in your notes, Hebrews 12 what, it must be something like 9 through something, I don't know. Um, where, or no, it's five, 5 through 9, I think it is, where he talks about who God loves, he disciplines. And then he keeps going and explaining why, and then he says, and by the way, if you're not experiencing the discipline of the Lord, you might want to ask whether or not you're really the Lord's. Right, so he's saying, he's basically saying, guys, God will start with us because he cares most about us. But it's not just us he cares about. Because if you keep reading, look what he says. 
He says, if the, right, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? He's, 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 he's telling us, and the writer of Hebrews says it this way, that, that God makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. He makes the sun come up for the just and the unjust. Guys, those people that you want to see burn, God wants to see saved. That's the reality. I mean, that is. The bottom line is, God wants Nancy Pelosi in heaven. The question is, do I? Right? And the answer is, most of the time, no, when I hear her talk. Right? What am I supposed to do with that in light of Scripture? Not in light of how I feel about it, but in light of Scripture. And the answer is, I need to get right, and then I need to help her get right. And by getting right, it isn't fix your more. See, this is, this is the thing, and I know I've hit this hard in, in this series. What we have translated that into getting right, we've translated that into being more moral. If we would just behave better than those people, and we show our better behavior, maybe those people will come over here and behave better than us. That has nothing to do with getting right. There's only one way to get right, and that is to believe that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again for you. That's it. If you believe that and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're right. Right? That's it. That's all we have to do. So, so why do we get so bogged down in all of the behavior stuff? And the answer is because that just feels so much more religious. It feels so much more righteous. Right? It just, and, and yet all of it is filthy rags to God. Apart from Christ... We are nothing. Guys, the reality is, and I'm going to have the music team come up, I guess, at this point. I don't know where I'm at. But the reality is God's heart breaks for what's going on in our country right now, for what's going on in our world right now. And, and we go, okay, so why, does it, why doesn't he do something about it? We have to go back to where we started. The, the day is near. Chapter, or, 2 Peter 3, 9. A thousand years like a day, a day is like a thousand years. He's not slow. He's waiting. What's he waiting for? For all to come to repentance. Guys, the, re- the reason he doesn't do something about it is because he's waiting for people to come to Christ. And the other reason he doesn't do something about it is he has. He sent you. He sent me. He sent us, the collective witness. Because we are what God is doing about those people in the world. The question is, how are we doing it? Are we doing it the world's way? Or are we doing it the way Christ has told us to do? I'll finish with this. It's a, Paul says it says this way in 2 Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by, the, by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Guys, do people want to hear that message? Probably not. Does the world want to hear that message? Probably not. Will that message, preaching God's word, get you in trouble sometimes? Yeah, more and more all the time. Does that matter? Not even a little bit. He's, called, he's left us here do one thing, and that is to make him known. That is to make an invisible God visible through us.
Let's pray. Father, I just come to you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the suffering that we go through. We are never more like Jesus Christ than when we are being than we are when we are going through suffering and getting scars, than when we are being persecuted, than when we when when things that are happening that we don't want to see happen are happening in our own lives, in our families, in our church, in the nation, where in the world. We are never more like Christ than when we see those things and feel those things and yet go, not my will, Lord. Your will be done. I pray that we would be that kind of people. That we would lead with love and extend grace. That we would be a people that say, I, 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 we are what you are doing in the world today. And every time we undergo suffering, every time we struggle, may we, may we by your spirit's power alone, supernaturally embrace it and say, this is making me more like Christ. 